real talk with your main chip Washington. When it comes to information, the main got an arsenal. Bring you up to speed with what you need. He's the local and nationwide news feed. Let's talk about it. Dialect to do something about it. Chip got the flow wide open if you got questions about it. Man, it's the show that brings you to your raw. To solve all problems, it starts with real talk. It's real talk. And here we go, here we go, on this Monday, it is the ninth day of October 2023, 6 o'clock straight up, which means it's time for Real Talk Memphis. Now, uh, if for those of you who uh, do check us out on uh, Facebook, uh, you will see that the setup is a little bit different tonight. We're having some minor technical difficulties, but we will get through it. Uh, glad to have you with us. I uh, hope that uh, you're week has gone well i hope you had a good weekend uh, and today i'm to understand is a holiday was a holiday of some sorts it was i guess columbus day is that what it october yeah columbus day uh, and somebody was off today because the traffic wasn't that bad but in any event i hope that you all are doing fine it is great to be back with you uh this week back in the air chair that head you see uh, in the lower part of your screen that's bryn by the way he is uh, he's my board he's my board producer and kind of keeps us moving uh, during this hour. I'm going to have to maybe get into the show just a little bit earlier tonight because uh, one of my guests uh, has uh, some time constraints. And speaking of guests, I think we have a pretty good show for you tonight. But before we do that, uh, there are many ways to get us. You can, of course, catch us right now on the radio, 91.7 on your FM dial, WYXR. We are also available on the WYXR app. Uh, on the TuneIn app, and uh, as I stated, we are on Facebook Live tonight, uh, so you can catch us there uh, if that is your desired way of, uh, you know, reaching out to us. Tomorrow, uh, of course, once the show posts, you can catch us on uh, YouTube, and uh, as we are a podcast, uh, you can catch us wherever it is you get your podcast. Now, uh, in terms of our show tonight, we have a pretty good uh, pretty good variety of guests. Last week, we were supposed to have County Commissioner Brittany Thornton, but she was a bit tied up and we couldn't get her. But she is going to join me tonight uh, in just a little bit to talk about her first year of the County Commission uh, and uh, some of the more interesting issues that they have had to deal with so far this year. Uh, we're going to start the show off uh, with uh, Brett Batterson. Brett is the president of and CEO of the Orpheum Theater Group. Uh, they have a new exhibit uh, there. Uh, and uh, I'm going to pose a question to you native Memphians and ones who have been around, say, since the 1960s. Uh, do you remember a time when you went to the movie theater at the Orpheum or went to the Orpheum to watch a movie 
uh, and you had to walk all the way upstairs. Apparently, there's a there's I mean, to as high as you could go, you had to walk up there uh, for people that look like me. Uh, black folks had to watch the movie. We couldn't enter uh, down on street level. Had to enter up high. Well, uh, there is an exhibit that they uh, uh, recently uh, opened up there. It's called the Balcony Project, and it is um, kind of a you know takes you back to those days. Uh, and I'm very curious to to ask him about why the theater group decided they were going to do this. Uh, and, and really what the significance is of it. I know I've asked a few people, and they say, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember when we had to go in at the very, very top of the Orpheum Theater to uh, be able to watch a movie because we couldn't go in with everybody else. So looking forward to that conversation. And a bit later on in the show, uh, Joyce Franklin Smith is going to join us. Uh, she's a nonprofit founder and president uh, of HHARP, and uh, that is a group uh, that helps uh, a lot of folks uh, who are having financial issues and helping them to, uh, you know, get their get their things in order, uh, you know, as they move along in life, dealing with various financial challenges and other challenges. So I look forward to having that conversation. Uh, so but before we get into all of that, let's quickly uh, take a look at our birthdays. And I can't do that until I say, hit it, Brent. On this day, happy birthday going out to Shamika Burton. Noreen Tate celebrating today, as is Gerald Russell. Killyard Lackey celebrating his birthday today. Uh, let's see here. Teresa James is celebrating. Happy birthday to Tamika Cooperwood. Denise Thomas. Dathan Thigpen is celebrating his birthday today. Carrie Walker and our good friend, uh, Melissa Pageant. And Melissa is the mother of Adam, uh, who was actually uh, one of our interns here a couple of years back. So today is his mom's birthday. So very happy birthday to Melissa Patchett. And each and every one of you out there celebrating uh, your birthday. Uh, I hope it's been a wonderful trip around the sun today. And it's, your day has been filled with fun and laughter. And we look to be with you next year as we celebrate your next trip around the sun. Thanks, Brian. Uh, we do have a death to report tonight. Dr. Sybil Mitchell, who is the uh, longtime associate publisher and columnist for the New Tri-State Defender, uh, died last week uh, after an illness. Uh, she was 66 years of age. Uh, many of you who uh, know about the Tri-State and have read the Tri-State have read so many of her stories. She was a very gifted writer. Indeed, she will be missed. Uh, absolutely. Dr. Sybil Mitchell. Uh, dead at the age of 66. May your memory always be a blessing. So uh, we didn't have this before we left you last week, uh, but we do now. We have a mayor. We have an elected mayor. We had the election last Thursday, and uh, the winner was Paul Young. Uh, he is our new mayor-elect. He will take office uh, January 1st, 2024. Uh, he got about 28% of the vote. The turnout was not very high. Uh, as per usual here in this city, turnouts are never very high. But in any event, uh, he did win the race. Floyd Bonner came in second. I think uh, Paul got about 28% of the vote, followed by Bonner with 26% came in the seas. And then third was uh, Willie Harrington. Uh, and uh, fourth was um, Van Turner. So congratulations uh, to Mayor-elect Paul Young. 
Uh, we uh, all need to rally behind him, and we hope uh, that, uh, you know, once he takes office, it's going to be, uh, you know, an amazing term. Uh, so let's all, let's all unite, Memphis. Let's all get behind him uh, as we begin a new chapter in the city, January 1st of 2024. Uh, there is going to be a runoff in three of the city council races. Uh, District 2, 3, and 7 are all facing runoffs, uh, and that will be on November 16th. So, uh, you know, I, I know runoffs don't do well in this town either, but look, you still have to elect three more city council people, so let's get out and vote on November 16th. And uh, before I get out of here and go to break, uh, I want to uh, say a prayer to the folks in Israel. Uh, we're dealing with another war. Uh, we're dealing with, of course, the Russian-Ukraine war. Now it looks like we're dealing with uh, the Israeli uh, and uh, the Hamas war. Uh, Hamas bombed Israel Saturday afternoon. Right now, the death toll in Israel it stands at over 700 people. 11 Americans were killed uh, in that. Uh, and uh, now uh, Israel is full force uh, going against um Hamas uh, and the Gaza Strip. Uh, this is a war, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, it was unnecessary. It was completely caught off guard by everybody. Uh, lots of loss of life on both sides already. So let us pray uh, that uh, there can be some resolution to this. Uh, the uh, Hamas folks uh, have kidnapped at least 100 uh, of the Palestinian individuals, uh, the, uh, the uh, Israelis, uh, and said that they were going to execute them if there were more attacks uh, that were uh, not communicated uh, on. So this is a really bad situation, so we need to pray for all those folks. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to get into a conversation with our first guest. Uh, his name is Brett Batterson from the uh, Orpheum Theater Group. This is Real Talk Memphis. I'm Chip. Don't go away. We'll be right back. If you like Real Talk, here's a way you can get involved. Do you have a show topic idea or suggestion? Want to be considered a guest or have a guest idea? Then send Chip a message on his Real Talk show page and you can be a part of the Real Talk experience. So as he always says, go out and tell somebody. We'll be right back. WYXR is supported by Minglewood Hall, presenting jazz guitarist and innovator Pat Matheny, live Tuesday, October 10th. More information regarding reserved seats at MinglewoodHallMemphis.com. Get Real Talk on the TuneIn mobile app under WYXR, and he's now streaming live on Facebook. And you can also catch a rebroadcast on YouTube. Just put WYXR in the search box and hit subscribe. Now back to more Real Talk with Chip Washington. And welcome to Real Talk Memphis, and welcome back to Real Talk Memphis on this Monday evening. Chip with you. Uh, and as I said at the beginning of uh, the show, 
there is a very special uh, exhibition that has opened uh, at the Orpheum uh, Theater uh, downtown, and it has a lot to do with the history of civil rights uh, in uh, the city of Memphis. Uh, please, uh, I'm very pleased to be joined by uh, the president and CEO of the Orpheum Theater Group. His name is Brett Batterson, and Brett, it's great to see you again, my friend. How are you doing? I'm good, Chip. Thanks for having me on your show. Man, absolutely that. And so, you know, this uh, this display uh, is called The Balcony Project. And for people who are Native Memphians who have lived here some period of time, this goes back to a time when uh, movies were being shown at the Orpheum, and I want to make sure I get this correct, uh, and uh, during the time of segregation, and there were separate entrances uh, for white and black, and the blacks had to go all the way upstairs uh, to be able to make entry into the Orpheum to see the movie. Am I correct in that? You are correct in that, but it actually predates the movies even. The Orpheum uh, was built in 1928, Okay. and like most theaters in the South and actually across the whole nation, it had these separate entrances for black patrons. Um, so from 1928 to 1940, the Orpheum was a vaudeville house with a separate entrance. And then from 1940 till 1963, when they closed it, it was the Malco Theater and it had a separate entrance. So it, it's been, a you know, we think we think of the Jim Crow era as just, you know, the 30s, 40s and 50s. Right. But, but it actually started before that. Well, that's very interesting. And, you know, I've, I've talked to some people about this, uh, some older folks who clearly remember those days uh, having to enter, uh, you know, that high up uh, in the movie theater uh, about all of this. And this really was, you know, again, Memphis was a, a city that was going through uh, some racial separation uh, back in those days, as were many cities uh, in the South during that time. Brad, why was it important uh, to to uh, open up this uh, particular uh, exhibit and 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 what 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 was your what was the thinking behind this? Well, when I came to Memphis in 2016, I found out that the Orpheum had never torn out their old lobby for the black balcony entrance. Mm, wow. uh, most theaters, most theaters, you know, wanted to reclaim that space and use it for something else. The Orpheum never did; it just became a storage space. So when I saw it, and I saw how small it was, and how totally uh, inequitable it was to the white patrons entrance. I got to thinking that the opportunity existed to educate. You know, at that time, my mind was just young people. But we could educate young people by showing them the difference between these two lobbies. And that's how it all started. Uh, through time, we decided to um, enlist help from Dr. Charles McKinney with Rhodes College, mm -hmm. the head of the Africana Studies program there and make some educational panels on the walls. And we hired a uh, filmmaker named Davin Baptiste to interview people who remember the balcony from their youth. And they could tell their stories of entering through that balcony. So it became a whole immersive experience, educational experience. Uh, we worked closely with the National Civil Rights Museum and, and we end our exhibit by saying to learn more visit the National Civil Rights Museum, visit Slave Haven, uh, all those type of places. So that's how the project came to be. And, and uh, um, we couldn't have done it without the help of others in the community, uh, like Dr. McKinney and, and the National Civil Rights Museum. So people can actually come on uh, specific days and times to actually uh, see that space. Am I correct in that? Yep, it's open to the public for two hours on Saturdays and two hours on Sundays. It's mm -hmm. free. Mm -hmm. 
Um, if you have a group or a school group that wants to see it, you can call to make a, a reservation, a special appointment. And all that information is on our website. Anybody can go to our website and find out more. You're teaching history, and I know that uh, the display hasn't been open, uh, the exhibit hasn't been open that long. But have you started to get some feedback, uh, Brett, on uh, you know on this, and at least uh, some of the takeaways uh, that uh, that folks have who have actually uh, been up there or remember those days uh, as of yet? Is it uh, have you started to get some feedback there? No, we're getting nothing but positive feedback. Um, we uh, we sent an email actually to our database, our whole database, last week telling them that we'd opened it. And that's 180,000 people. Okay. And we got one, one negative email back. One, one guy wrote back and, you know, questioned why we we're doing this. So I really think that most people understand the purpose. They understand that it's about teaching uh, about our past so that we don't make those same mistakes in the future. And it's about making sure that um, people can realize just how uh, unfair, uh, inequitable and, um, truly horrible that whole period was for a certain uh, certain group of our citizens of Memphis. There is an effort uh, that we've seen uh, in various states around the country uh, to deny uh, history, uh, you know, that, that black history to a lot of our, our young people uh, in school and things like this. And so that's why I was really uh, fascinated by when I heard about this and, and I got some information from you, you all about this. I thought that this was really, you know, a step, a very positive step in the right direction. Uh, I think it's very important for people who never had to experience this uh, to understand that this was indeed something that many people experienced. And you are providing, uh, you know, an educational look back, uh, as it were, uh, to what was and, and really kind of how far we've come. I, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but, that, but, but, but uh, does that sound about right? That sounds perfect. You can put all those words in my mouth anytime you want. That's okay. exactly what we're trying to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think I, I know you're you're on a tight deadline. I know you got to get out of here. Uh, I was told that you have to uh, move on to another. Uh, you have something else you do, need to take care of. But I had to. This was important for me. And like I said before, what you're doing is you're teaching living real history, uh, basically without. Uh, the sugarcoat. This is where it was. This is what happened. This is what people experienced. And I know that even though uh, this was during that time uh, when when a lot of black folks dealt with situations like this, uh, it became like a regular deal. Uh, and I would imagine, though, uh, when it ended, and I think you said, what, 1963? Well, the, 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 Malco, uh, the Malco closed this balcony in 1963. The law changed in 1964 okay so so when they okay so so what during between one period and another period or the year later uh you know what 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 was the interim there or was there well the malco and most of memphis um because of some great people like elaine turner who's featured in our film mm -hmm. um who protested segregation the malco actually made the decision uh before the civil rights act was passed in 1964 to close the balcony. And uh, uh, so there was just that one year lag between the, the rest of the country and the Malcolm. Well, you know what, man? Kudos to you and, 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 and all the folks that are involved in this particular project because, again, this is the kind of thing uh, that if you don't know, you know where you've been, you don't know where you're going. Uh, and, and this is the part of, of, of our past uh, 
and we emphasize the word past, uh, but you're giving people an opportunity to see this. Is there a, is there a specific time, Britt, like in terms of length as to how long this exhibit is going to be around? Oh, we're, we're not planning on closing it. Okay. In my, in my mind, it will be a permanent part of the Orphan Theater Group. Well, man, listen, thank you so much uh, for, for, uh, for thinking that way. And thank you for coming on the show tonight. I really appreciate it. Uh, and uh, this project is very, very important. And I urge anybody, uh, you know, who really wants to understand uh, the history that involves your, your theater group uh, to go and check it out. Brett Batterson, president and CEO of the Orpheum Theater Group. Brett, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Oh, I can't thank you enough, Jeff. Nice words, and I appreciate them. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. So, uh, listen, ladies and gentlemen, uh, before we go to break, I just want to urge you all, if you've not seen it, you need to go down and and, and see uh, this is living history. Uh, what happened uh, to us as the people during segregation? Uh, we weren't allowed to do a lot of things, and uh, that included, uh, you know, entering uh, the, the Malco Theater uh, during that time uh, in our country's history. Uh, but Brett is opening this up to people and uh, kudos, uh, kudos to him and all the folks involved uh, in this uh, particular project. I'm going to take a break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to continue the broadcast. We're going to talk uh, to County Commissioner Brittany Thornton about a few things. This is Real Talk Memphis. I'm Chip. Very happy to be here back in the air chair on this Monday evening. I hope you're doing well. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. If you like Real Talk, here's a way you can get involved. Do you have a show topic idea or suggestion? Want to be considered a guest or have a guest idea? Then send Chip a message on his Real Talk show page and you can be a part of the Real Talk experience. So as he always says, go out and tell somebody. We'll be right back. WYXR is supported by Graceland Live, presenting Black Violin on Thursday, October 19th at the Graceland Soundstage. For nearly two decades, Black Violin has been merging string arrangements with modern beats and vocals and building bridges and communities along the way. More information available at GracelandLive.com. WYXR is supported by Memphis Presents, celebrating White Sicker's 10th anniversary with a beer and music festival on Saturday, October 21st. BAM Fest will feature music from Memphis and beyond with artists such as Lucero, Hank Sullivan, and Nathan Vanderpool from Blitz and Trapper. Simon Spine and Dead Soldiers will also take the stage. Intermissions will feature sets from DJ Leroy and live performances from the Stone Crush Memphis Modern Soul Compilation. More information is available at MemphisPresents.com. The Indie Memphis Film Festival returns to Midtown Memphis to celebrate Film for All from October 24th through the 29th with over 150 feature and short films, including world premieres, restored classics, award season hopefuls, and more. Tickets and passes are available now at IndieMemphis.org. Brought to you by Iris Collective, presenting Memphis native and violin phenomenon, Randall Gooseby, with New York Times best pianist, Zhu Wong, in concert October 28th at the University of Memphis, a pay-what-you-wish experience. Learn more about these rising stars at iriscollective.org. Mm -hmm. 
WYXR is supported by Memphis Presents and GPAC, presenting Victor Wooten and the Wooten Brothers on Friday, November 3rd. The Wooten Brothers combine the talents of bassist Victor Wooten, Steve Miller Band keyboardist Joseph Wooten, guitarist Reggie Wooten, and drummer Roy Futureman Wooten. More information available at gpacweb.com. The Sunset Jazz at Court Square Concert Series is back every second Sunday, May through October, featuring Memphis's top jazz artists at 62 North Main in downtown Memphis. More information and the lineup are available at sunsetjazzmemphis.com. Get Real Talk on the TuneIn mobile app under WYXR, and he's now streaming live on Facebook. And you can also catch a rebroadcast on YouTube. Just put WYXR in the search box and hit subscribe. Now back to more Real Talk with Chip Washington. And welcome back to Real Talk Memphis on a beautiful Monday evening in the city. Uh, temperatures uh, this week are going to be in the low 80s. I hope you get out and enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. Next week, uh, we're going to be more fall-like. Temperatures over the weekend will be in the uh, uh, mid to upper 60s for the high. Uh, and uh, I think this cool streak will be with us uh, at least through next week uh, as well. So, Get out and enjoy it. Uh, I asked Lola and Bren how their weekends were. Of course, Lola, like she does, you know, she's a DJ and she gigs all over town. And she said she was off yesterday, which is good. Get a little rest. Uh, and uh, everybody's uh, hanging in there. Everybody's doing okay. I hope you are as well. I'm thinking about, while I'm waiting for Brittany Thornton to uh, to check in here, um, I'm thinking about the interview we just had a minute ago with uh, Brett Batterson over at the... Uh, Orpheum Theater, and uh, this, uh, oh my, uh, uh, and the uh, Balcony Project, Brittany says she didn't get, she said, can you text me the information, Lola? Can you check, okay, well, I don't know where Brittany is, but she needs to check her, like, her, her junk email, uh, and uh, y'all forgive me uh, while I'm trying to reach her again, junk or spam, because it generally goes there, uh, and uh, but we have this problem every night. This is live radio, you know, uh, and and it's hard to get signal in in this particular room, uh, and so um, we're we're you know, sometimes we have to play it by ear. Uh, let's see, all right, um, and see, but anyway, uh, this this balcony project we were talking about a minute ago. It's a part of the civil rights history of Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, I don't, again, I don't know what really inspired Brent to do this, but I mean, you know, clearly this is something that has been going on for a while. Uh, and, um, you know, when I ask folks about it who have spent uh, some considerable time in the city, you know, just to listen to something like that is as much as, as going to a movie, you know, I mean, uh, you know, going to the Malco Theater. Uh, but, uh, you know, they just accepted it as for what it was. It was a part of uh, experience. It was a part of um, uh, the, the American experience here, the Memphis experience here. And it takes people like Elaine Turner uh, and a lot of uh, different historians to be able to tell you about uh, how all of that was uh, versus where things are now. And now when people come to Memphis uh, for these uh, historical civil rights tours, 
uh, you can actually add that to it, uh, you know, and add the Orpheum Theater to it for what it is today versus what it was back in the day. Always providing entertainment, but, you know, absolutely some separate but unequal stuff going on uh, back uh, in those days. I'm going to take another break, and when I come back, uh, hopefully we'll have Brittany on the line. This is Real Talk Memphis. Don't go away. Uh, as I said, live radio is it is what it is. We rock and roll around here. So quick break, and we'll be right back. If you like Real Talk, here's a way you can get involved. Do you have a show topic idea or suggestion? Want to be considered a guest or have a guest idea? Then send Chip a message on his Real Talk show page and you can be a part of the Real Talk experience. So as he always says, go out and tell somebody. We'll be right back. Hey, ever get lonely without WYXR? Lonely? I've got my cat. Well, now you can have WYXR too, right in your pocket. Listen live, explore past archives, and follow us on social media. It's like a radio party and everyone's invited. Even my cat? Especially your cat. Plus, you'll get up-to-the-minute station updates. It's like having a personal DJ that doesn't scratch your furniture. Sounds perfect. Hold on, I'm downloading it right now. Join the fun and never miss a beat with WYXR. Download the WYXR app today from the Apple App Store or Google Play and bring the party wherever you go. WYXR doesn't go to sleep at night. We keep the music moving. Memphis music, that is. When our DJs clock out, our automation clocks in with music right from our community. Produced, performed, and written by Memphians or in Memphis. Some are hits and some are rarely heard, but they all tell the story of one of the world's greatest music cities. Visit wyxr.org for playlist and scheduling information. Email submissions at wyxr.org to let us hear your Memphis music. We may just play it. Get Real Talk on the TuneIn mobile app under WYXR, and he's now streaming live on Facebook. And you can also catch a rebroadcast on YouTube. Just put WYXR in the search box and hit subscribe. Now back to more Real Talk with Chip Washington. All righty, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for hanging in there with us on Real Talk on this Monday evening. A chip with you. And as promised, uh, I, I have uh, our, our good friend, because she's been on this show before, County Commissioner, District 10 County Commissioner, Brittany Thornton is joining me right now. I see her. Hey, Brittany, how are you? Good. Can you hear me? I can hear you fine. Just fine. Okay. Absolutely. Perfect. Perfect. So you're doing okay? 
Yeah, I'm good. We literally, this is perfect timing. We just got back from Nashville. We toured a couple of facilities there. Oh, okay. Well, see, everything works out the way it's supposed to. That's absolutely right. So, listen, uh, you know, we missed you last week, uh, but I know you were a bit busy uh, with county commission, and that always uh, tends to go along. You just recently celebrated your first year as a county commissioner. Uh, and And I wanted to find out from you how this first year has been. It's been it's been an amazing journey. People ask all the time, is it what you thought it would be? And the answer is no. Um, <laughs> hands down, I could never have imagined all of the opportunities that um, have presented themselves for me. So you, I feel like I have a million people on my back all the time. So it's a lot of um, pressure, but you know, it's a it's more potential. So I've enjoyed learning about the different issues, and it's a very powerful role. So I take it very seriously and and I'm just excited to see all the work that's been done in year one and all the work that can be done over the next three years. It's very challenging. Uh, as you say, you represent a district with uh, with thousands and thousands of people and a lot of folks have a lot of specific needs and issues and concerns and wants and and. You have to try to juggle all of that. Uh, uh, I would imagine it takes a lot of energy. Uh, but, you know, I think ultimately uh, the fight is uh, to make things better uh, overall for everyone. Am I correct in that? In our county? Yeah, for sure. Uh-huh. For sure, for sure. You you start to see sweeping issues, issues that go beyond your district. And then I think that's the, that's the part that um, kind of surprised me the most is just how passionate I am about um, just issues that face Shelby Countyans. Um, I have a newfound passion for workers. So, you know, wanting to get um, workers their proper compensation. We're doing a wage study um, or we're, we're trying to get a wage study uh, paid for because it's been about uh, seven years since we had a wage study done. So it's just a lot of issues, you know, everything from the prisons to regional one to, um, you know, universal pre-K. There's so many issues that face um, us every day. And so it's just really cool just to see our role on the legislative side of things and all of the issues that we live with every day. One of the things uh, that you all were dealing with uh, last week uh, had to do with the Shelby County Sheriff's Office and some ordinances. Uh, There were at least three of them, uh, from what I can remember, and two of them were passed by you, the county commission. One of them was not. Uh, Then I I heard, I came to find out that these uh, ordinances, I guess, are in name only because the sheriff, being an elected official, does that have to comply with them? Am I correct in that? Yeah, so we we had a pretty heated um, conversation about what was the capacity of us as legislators to um, actually execute. And according to legal opinion, we only have the authority to make requests to a fellow elected. Um, so we, in essence, yeah, it's just it's very interesting in terms, you know, ordinances, they codify um, it in local law. And so a resolution can be changed with a certain amount of votes. So um, we, I'm glad to see them um, put into ordinances because I think it just kind of amplifies like how serious of an issue it is. And there's interestingly also a pathway for that third ordinance that didn't pass to come back because we can do a motion to reconsider. This is something I'll be posting about a little bit later because it's going to get a little uh, political. So um, we actually do have the votes to pass all three. One of the commissioners stepped away to make a call. She missed the vote. And so that one failed on a technicality. Ah, so it's, 
Okay. It's very interesting. It is very interesting. Uh, but can they be? I mean, can, can they be enforced? Now he is an elected official, and I heard that 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 argument uh, more than a few times. And I know one of the ordinances. He said, "No, we're not. We're not going to do that." I can't remember which one it was. But I mean, can they be enforced, Brittany? So, I mean, there are many different ways to skin a cat in politics. So, can they be enforced? I think it depends on just how. Um, much of a strong stance the commission wants to take. You know, mm. we approve the budget. Um, so there are different points that we can like insert our energies. I don't get the sense that any of my colleagues will really want to go that far, but it's really, it's more so the same delegation of constituents that elects us into office also elects our sheriff. And so it's, it's a, it's a posture to equip our constituents to say, we recognize that what you're saying has validity. Let's pass it off to the decision maker for that person to actually execute it. Because all these things that we are discussing in the ordinances are going to fall under the purview of the sheriff. And so um, he and his staff are the best persons to actually, you know, execute. And so we, to me, as I presented to my colleagues, are just taking a stance to say that the data shows that there is a need for him to um, look a little closer, dig a little deeper, and put some resources towards these issues. So um, that's what I was going for. I respect the sheriff's um, authority to do what is best for his constituents, but I also understand that Sometimes, you know, our constituents have more access to us to tell us what they need. And so, you know, the sheriff doesn't have a, a, a routine meeting where he's convening before the public. Mm -hmm. So that's been the question of like how much, um, I guess, uh, public scrutiny can the everyday constituents have over their elected official as a sheriff. Got it. Uh, so, you know, you said that this first year has been a bit challenging as you move forward. Uh, what are some of the other items or issues or uh, that are on your agenda that you would like to see, you know, uh, laws or rules or or uh, some aspect of uh, either or, uh, you know, as you move as you continue to move forward through your journey with the county commission? Uh, what does your agenda look like moving forward? So for District 10, I'm focusing on um, heavy organizing. Um, it's important for me for every single resident in District 10 to know what neighborhood they belong to. So you're going to see this year, I'm really focusing on supporting neighborhood organizations, getting their paperwork structure, getting their programming plans together. I'll be working closely um, with each of the leaders in my district and then creating an actual neighborhood map that shows boundary to boundary where neighborhoods exist. Mm -hmm. We have so many District 10 residents that are just living in areas of the district that literally have no type of first line of defense. And to me, um, that's the best gift that I could give back to my constituents so that we can see all a pathway for all people to have access to these resources and an advocate in me as their representative. It's very difficult for me to represent people who have no type of um, channel to get to me. And so um, that's first and foremost for me. And then I'm focusing on three big issues, housing, transit, and economic development. Mm. Definitely over the next three years, um, I plan to really look um, at the the vacancy and blight in District 10, which are one of, we're one of the top four districts that has the most vacancy and blight. Um, we've received data from the assessor's office that shows like the 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 districts where, you know, there's high 
vacancy. So um, there's a housing capacity pilot program that I'm trying to get um, funded. And that's an exciting thing that's shaping up. It's innovative, it's new, and it's going to build capacity within the district. And then transit, like I really want that to be a huge, um, you know, Shelby County deliverable where we get a fully funded transit system and we um, have something that is on track to be high functioning and serving all interests here in Shelby County. And then the economic development piece will just fall into it. Um, I really want to do some capacity building for our workforce and get people situated in communities where they live, work, and play. Well, that sounds like an ambitious agenda, young lady. And uh, but but if anybody can uh, to get get it done, uh, you can. I know I've seen you in action uh, at the commission meeting, and uh, and uh, your your colleagues. I know you have to have buy-in from your colleagues, and I know that's very important. Uh, how's everybody getting? Al- uh, bless you. How's everybody getting along so far on the commission? We're working it out. You know, I know we had um, at this leadership transition a little bit of a you know moment but um i think that we're starting to respect each other's strengths more and just learn each other's personalities it's yeah. a you know there's a there's a transition phase um i really appreciate a number of my colleagues who are just such good legislators y'all don't get to see them behind closed doors but um you know some of my colleagues are really putting in overtime um, and I just applaud them for their efforts and just the ways that they're contributing. I love the diversity. You know, we have me as like a novice legislator all the way up to Commissioner Brooks, who mm-hmm. has gone up and down, you yep, know, the government mm-hmm. uh, ladder. And um, we all just kind of like when we're when we're on the floor together, I love to see how we bounce off each other. You know, a lot of times I'm bringing in stuff and like just kicking the dust. But my colleagues will like really like come in with their their understanding, their expertise and just really shape it into something that is fruitful for Shelby County. So I love this delegation. I really um, applaud, you know, the Black Caucus in particular because I think that we're um, responsive, and I think that there is a receptive ear when there are issues that are particularly um, disenfranchising Black uh, people in Shelby County. And so we know that the majority of people here in Shelby County are identifying as African American, and yeah. that just matters a lot to me, coming from a predominantly Black district and also living in a predominantly Black community. Brittany Thornton, County Commissioner, District 10. Brittany, uh, it is so good to have you on the show again and get uh, updates from you. I wish you nothing but the best. Uh, I know you will be a strong advocate as you have been already for your district. And I look forward to seeing really big things from you coming down the road, my friend. All right. Stay tuned. I'm working hard. <laughs> Thank you, Brittany, for coming on the show. We, we, you and I will be chatting again down the road. For sure. Please, please. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you to everyone. Thank you. Thank you so much. Brittany Thornton, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, she is uh, county commissioner in District 10, and she laid it out. Uh, she laid out her agenda, and I have no doubt uh, that she will get the job done. We're going to take our final break of this broadcast, and when we come back, uh, we're going to delve into the nonprofit world right here on the Monday edition of Real Talk Memphis. I'm Chip. We'll be right back. If you like Real Talk, here's a way you can get involved. Do you have a show topic idea or suggestion? Want to be considered a guest or have a guest idea? Then send Chip a message on his Real Talk show page and you can be a part of the Real Talk experience. So as he always says, go out and tell somebody. We'll be right back.
Music Export Memphis presents the Tambourine Bash Thursday, October 12th at the historic Everton Park Shell. This annual celebration of collaboration is a one-of-a-kind night of Memphis music featuring more than 30 musicians and collaborative sets culminating in a finale super jam produced by Royal Studios' Boo Mitchell. All proceeds power Music Export Memphis's grant programs for Memphis musicians. Ticket information and event details can be found at musicexportmemphis.org. WYXR is supported by the On Stage at the Halloran Center featuring the Travelin' McCurries on Friday, October 13th. The McCurry brothers were born into the bluegrass tradition and have teamed up with a line of musicians to take the tradition of the genre to new heights. More information at orpheum-memphis.com. Monster Market carries a curated collection of strange art and dark maker-made goods for weirdos like you. Back in person this year, Monster Market will be open October 13th through the 18th at the Medicine Factory with their opening night party on Friday the 13th. More info at memphismonstermarket.com. Get Real Talk on the TuneIn mobile app under WYXR, and he's now streaming live on Facebook. And you can also catch a rebroadcast on YouTube. Just put WYXR in the search box and hit subscribe. Now back to more Real Talk with Chip Washington. And welcome back to Real Talk Memphis on this Monday evening. Thanks for uh, hanging out with us uh, on this Monday night. My next guest is someone I've known uh, for uh, many years. Uh, she's always had a heart for the community. Uh, and uh, that is why she is a nonprofit founder. Uh, and she's the president of an organization uh, with the initials HHARP, which she will talk about in just a minute. Please welcome our good friend, Miss Joyce Franklin Smith. And Joyce, Excellent to see you. Thanks for coming on the show tonight. Thank you. Thank you uh, for inviting me, Chip. Um, it's, it's been a long time coming. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> it, it, it's been a long time because you had to take that little shot there. It's been a long time coming. Well, we got you here, and I'm glad you I'm glad you are here. For people who don't know Joyce, tell us a little bit about your organization. What does A-H-H-A-R-P stand for? Heaven uh, Hand Asset Relief Program. Mm -hmm. uh, we have been in existence since 2014, and we assist families uh, who have fallen on hardships uh, and who have maybe lost a loved one, who didn't have any life insurance, any resources, and um, we we assist those families with uh, monetary assistance. We um, donate urns, we donate clothing, obituary preparations, anything from A to Z that deals with the funeral and the burial, we, we assist those families with those services. What made you decide uh, that uh, you wanted to do something like this? Because the things that you just mentioned, uh, a lot of people deal with that. I mean, you know, we see death every day and a lot of folks, you know, have to go through the struggle of trying to plan and, and may not have planned correctly. Uh, you're providing a really important service, but I guess I would like to know what made you decide to do this specifically? Well, back in 2012, I had lost my youngest brother. He was like 20. He was young. <laughs> he had a massive heart attack. Oh, my. And he didn't have any, he didn't have a medical directive in place. He didn't have any insurance. He didn't have 
And so I'm the oldest and uh, everything pretty much fell on me when it came to um, having to, when it came to the time when he passed away. And so that would kind of lay it, it put, you know, got put on my heart because I didn't want anybody to experience anything like that, to go through it by yourself or or just give you the resources or, or you know, just point you in the right direction of where to go. Because a lot of times you be so grief, grief stricken that um, and you and it takes away from you grieving, actually, when you don't have the uh, money or the funds uh, there for to, 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 you know, lay your family to rest. And a lot of times the funeral homes, you know, they, they, they call a state of holding. And that the person will be left in a state of holding until you come up with those funds. And, you know, because that's why you hear sometimes some people may take them a, a month, two months to, you know, have their burial services sure. just because they, the family is still trying to raise money for the family. Death is a very emotional uh, issue for everybody. Uh, and <laughs> as you say, you know, when you're dealing with the grief uh, and, uh, you know, the, the depression and all of the emotions that go along with this, uh, it really does uh, pay to have somebody in place or an organization in place that you can pick up the phone and call. Uh, and and do you help them with planning uh, a, a funeral or, or what have you from A to Z, yeah, Joyce? We, I just said, for example, we had a, a, a call of my angels, but we had a, a guy, he didn't have anybody. He didn't have um, no family. And so he didn't have clothing. So uh, we donated a, a suit for him. Uh, and back, you know, at the time we were able to get him a, uh, what is it, um, a spot at the uh, Shelby County Cemetery. And we were out there and we, you know, were able to do the bitch, not the uh, eulogy service because no one should have to go alone, you know. So we were there from uh, A to Z with him and we did the obituary just in case somebody did come forward. So we do have an obituary. We, we found one of his good friends provided all his pictures and mm. uh yeah, so we were there for him when nobody else was there for him. So we did show up for him and uh, was able to uh, help help with everything from planning it, planning it, uh, flowers and the eulogy and everything. So yeah, we were able to assist that, assist him. Tell me about uh, you. You're entering into working with uh, families. Uh, victims of homicide. Uh, I believe that's something that you're that you're working with. Explain that to our <laughs> listeners. Okay, right. We we just um we had partnership with the Maya. I'm sorry, the Mia Foundation, uh, and what they do, they help families uh families of homicide victims, and that way because they you still have a lot of families who don't have the resources to bury their loved ones uh after such a tragic event. And so we do we do help assist those families uh, with funeral and burial assistance um, because sometimes you know it takes it takes a village really to help when someone is going through that emotional grief and it takes the burden out the out the families knowing that there's somebody uh, helping them you know along the way and so um, that's one of the things um, that we we are have a partnership with the Mia Foundation. And they are actually having an event coming up uh, October the 21st at 4 o'clock at the Renaissance Center. And it, it's going to be a gala for, um, you know, homicide victims okay. and, and their family members. Yeah. yeah. So, like I said, we we um, we are we are just happy to, to be a bridge and help them, help 
other, you know, uh, nonprofit organizations and have a form of partnership with the, with that organization. So uh, it sounds like you're, you 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 all do quite a lot, uh, you know, for quite a few people, depending on the situation and circumstances. Uh, Joyce, if someone needed your services or wanted to know more about uh, your services and what you all do, how can we get in touch? They can visit our website, which is www.hharpmemphis.org. And they will be able to see all the work we have done in the community. Uh, and we try to keep it updated, everything, because like now we're working on rebranding, rebranding and uh, doing some um, so uh, re- website design. So, um, yeah, they'll be able to, to visit the website. And um, if they want to make a donation, they can make a donation <laughs> on, the, on the website as well. A- absolutely. Um, because uh, you said something that, that really stuck with me a few minutes ago. You said it takes a village. I mean, you're you're, right. you're working with so many people, but you also need the partnerships of being able to work uh, with other people and being collaborative uh, in right. your efforts. So this isn't just a singular, uh, you know, I mean, your organization, but you do you do really work with a, 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 a myriad of people, do you not? Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we uh, do have a working relationship with the funeral homes. You know, um, like I said, a lot of times they will contact us if they know we have funding. We'll, you know, assist those families because, like, uh, it was an incident that happened maybe a couple of weeks ago. A young man was a hit and run here in Memphis, and his mother didn't. He didn't have any life insurance, it, and um, they, his mother reached out to us, and so we're uh, going to be able to assist that family with donating our urn and donate monetary um, to help because he's going to have a cremation service. So we were able to step in and help help, help his mother. Wow. That's wonderful. You're being a blessing. Uh, that, that you guys are angels over there. And, uh, uh, you know, again, uh, thank you for what you do for so many uh, who need so much uh, because, you know, we're, we're living in a city in a time now where, uh, you know, violence is, uh, is, a, is a pretty regular uh, event in our city. Uh, and I'm sure that there are a lot of folks that need your services. But uh, really appreciate you taking time to come on the show, Joyce. It's good to see you. No, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad uh, to be a guest on the show. Um, I'm sorry it took me so long. <laughs> no. <laughs> and also, I do want to mention, too, Chip, a lot of people it's, in the world we live in, because I, I just try to be honest, um, a lot of people are not, not it's a lot of people not in in the church like like we should you know because I know I don't go like I sh- I need to go <laughs> but and that's another thing a lot of people not connected in the, in the community you know with those organizations so we like I said we assist all families yeah. everybody so yeah. um yeah so, so that's another thing um, that we do. Uh, help those families. Well, thank you, my friend. Thank you for coming on the show tonight. Uh, best of luck, best of success uh, in uh, all that you do to help so many. Really appreciate your time, and I'll talk to you down the road. Okay, thank you. All right, take you care. Good- all right, thanks. Okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that puts a cap on uh, this edition of Real Talk Memphis. I'm glad uh, if you stayed with us. I'm glad you did stay with us as Bryn plays this out. Uh, we are going to be on our way. Uh, Now, next Monday, uh, next week, we're going to be in Pledge Week around here. We're going to be raising money because, you know what, we can't keep this uh, station on the air without you and your financial support. So we're going to have a special edition of the show next week. Uh, Lola is going to be on the show with me because, you know, she's here (laughs) right now. Uh, And uh, we're going to have another guest. 
And we're going to all talk a little bit about our experiences here at WYXR. Lola, relatively new to the uh, the radio uh, side of things around here. So I look forward to talking with her about that. Uh, and, of course, uh, raising money for this fine radio station. So for all of us here at Real Talk, for Nicole, for Lola, and for Brent, I'm Chip. Be safe, be careful, and we look forward to talking to you real soon. And we are out. Yeah.